here? Am I on here? Thanks. Thank you for being here tonight and appreciate you coming midweek service. I know a lot of you have to come straight from work and I do appreciate that. couple things. Uh, the building, really the building is pretty much, I hate to say this, but I think it's pretty much done. Uh, the stuff that we're doing, we're doing a little wrap-up work, a couple uh, wall repair, uh, and maybe one or two doors that need to be put in and uh, pretty much the rest of it's done. Uh, the, the air conditioning company needs to come back and do one little thing and the elevator is being fabricated, then they'll put that in. And then the gym floor. I thought that the gym floor we had was going to work, but when we got into it, it wasn't going to work, so we have to get a, a new gym floor. And um, you say, how much was that, Pastor? More than I thought we were going to be paying. Okay, yeah. I, thought, I thought, man, we got that wood. It's going to be fabulous. And it just didn't work out. So um, if you have, you know, $100,000 or more you want to get rid of, come see me. Yeah. We will put your name on that floor. It'll be the same color as the wood, so you can't see it, okay? But we will, we'll name one of the locker rooms after you. How about that? That'd be great. But uh, we're really excited about that. And, and so um, it could be really quick. After that, we just have to get the inspection. And, uh, <coughs> and so I, <coughs> that'll be great. And I do want to thank you again. We're getting a lot of positive feedback about our friend day. If you were here on Sunday, you saw it was amazing. We kicked all the, all the youngsters out. It was just the adults, and it was standing room only in here and so it just goes to show if you put the work in and you invite people they will come yes, and so keep that up and uh, there's just so much going on I'm excited about next year already when I get <coughs> we've had a <coughs> great year um, <coughs> and when I get to this time of the year I'm already into next year and so I'm already planning and looking forward I'm very excited we have so many people out on Thursday night doing discipleship and so um, God's doing a great thing here because of you. And so uh, I can't say it enough. Thank you so much for all that you are doing. And probably the most exciting thing about Friend Day was Blue Line. I was so fired up. I went parked off site and it was so crowded. Okay, that was great. And you know what I think we should do? We should have Friend Day every week. Okay. And I know, I, I know yet, I, I know you don't like it, and uh, I don't mind. <clears throat> it's only like half of, I mean, maybe a block and a half away, I guess. But um, we really, my goal is to have a bunch of empty spots here on Sunday morning, and we have so many new people coming. I know if you're older, you can't do it. But I hope that if you parked at Blue Line for the first time, that you caught the Blue Line bug, Okay. And it's not a disease, it's a good one. So um, just really excited, and, and I will say this, we really need it, You're, you, I'm preaching the choir here, we really need it this Sunday <coughs> because we're losing half of our parking lot for Roundup Sunday. And so uh, we're going to only have half as many spots, and so um, I know we always get through it, but it'd be great if you could help us with that. A couple weeks ago, <coughs> the last time I, was, I taught on Thursday night, we looked at the prodigal son, and we looked at him, <coughs> we looked at the father, and we looked at the brother, and we looked at the three different parties uh, that were represented there. The, the prodigal was, a, was a, someone who had some issues, and we're going to see that tonight. We saw his father, who was very, very loving, and we saw his brother that was very, very confused. And so the son had an immoral party, righteous living, the Father, representing God, has the immortal party, and the brother was 
irrational. He had himself a pity party. As we mentioned, and <clears throat> as we jump back into this, life is made up of the decisions that you make. You can look at where you are at in life. Um, you can look at the direction of your life, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And I hope if you're here, it's, it's going well. And <clears throat> you are where you at, <coughs> where you're at, <coughs> really because of the decisions you've made. Now, I know God brings us places. I, I get all that. Um, but God gives us responsibilities, and we have to decide whether or not we're going to fulfill those things and do the things we're supposed to, to do. And so decisions are important. We make decisions so quickly and haphazardly and not understanding the consequences and the long-term effects that those different decisions can have. The prodigal, <coughs> he made some really bad decisions. Now, later on, <coughs> he made a good decision. Um, the problem was how, did, how he made his decisions. The first decision he made, he wasn't in his right mind. He was in the wrong frame of mind. <clears throat> and the second decision, which was a better decision, he was finally in the right frame of mind to make that decision. You know the story. We went through it a couple of weeks ago. The prodigal comes. He, he has a brother, and he tells his dad, I want, I want my inheritance now. Now, that was not mandated by their society or the customs of the day. If he wanted the inheritance, it was totally up to the father whether or not he got the inheritance. And so the father decides to give the son his inheritance. And not only the, the prodigal, he also gives the, 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 the good brother his inheritance also. And we know what he does. He takes off. He goes into the far country. He wasted on riotous living. His friends all bail on him. He ends up in the pig pen eating Whatever the leftovers, the pig, the pig left for him. He hits rock bar bottom. And so what does he do? He decides, you know what? It's time to go home. And he makes that the decision and he goes home and his father welcomes him with open arms. Now I want us to notice, and I think these may be in your notes. I may have blew through one already. But there are two different mindsets here. <clears throat> The first one is the mindset that led to a wrong decision. And the wrong decision was leaving home. And then there was a, <coughs> a one that, the mindset that led to a right decision. And that was going home. <coughs> now here's a key. <coughs> Remember, he only made the right decision after suffering the consequences of a bad decision. Now I'll give him credit, he did come to himself. He did eventually make the right decision. Give him credit for that. But I don't know about you, I would rather make the right decision up front. Yep. I would rather avoid the pig pen. Yep. I would rather avoid all of the drama and all of the nonsense that you don't have to go through. The majority of people I deal with, the, the problems they have in their life, the things that are going on in their life is a result of bad decisions that they made, bad things that they've got involved with, not understanding the consequences eventually are going to come. Yep. And so, um, <clears throat> so I want us to see both of these times in his life when he had his wrong mind and when he was in his right mind. <clears throat> Why do I want to look at this? Because hopefully I want us to be warned to say, hey, look, I'm going to make the right decision. Yep. I am not going to make a decision that would take me off course. Yep. 
And so many Christians do. So let's look at number one, the wrong mind, which was <coughs> leaving home. This is how all bad decisions by believers begin. We look at our life and we look at the situations in our life from a wrong perspective. That's always where it begins. Or either something happens to get our minds off the right perspective, which would be God's perspective, and we get it on ourselves and different things. Typically, when someone makes a bad decision, especially if they've been at church or maybe they've been a Christian or whatever, they have to talk themselves into it. How many know what I'm talking about? I've had, people, look, I've had people sit in my office and tell me uh, over the years some crazy things, and it's like they had to do some mental gymnastics to get to that, Okay. And I guess they want to come in and have me just like, oh, that's great. And I, don't, I, don't, I don't really do real well with that. But, but so, so here's the thing. When we make a bad decision, the person we fool the most is ourselves. If we have, now some people, they have zero spirituality. They're not following God. And so they, their, their, their decision process is, is not even based on spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual context. And so I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about God's people. I'm talking about people that would, would understand spirituality to some degree or have some, some bit of spiritual desire. They still sometimes make really bad decisions. And they jump through all these hoops and they fool themselves into thinking that decision is right or they, are, they have justification to make that decision. And that's what we want to get away from. But how did he make bad decisions? Let me go through a few of them here. First of all, let's, this is underneath number one, he decided by his wisdom and he bypassed wiser counsel. Okay, understand that. Verse 12 says, <coughs> and you can turn in your Bible there, we read all the verses last time, but we'll go through the same one. I think the verses are at the top of the sheet there. <coughs> and the younger of them said to his father, now, we'll look at the rest of that later, but he wasn't asking his father if, if something was a good idea. He was telling his father, I want no opinion, no asking father, hey, is this what you want me to do? He came in and basically demanded because he had decided that was the right thing to do. He should have asked his dad about it. Whenever we get to the point in life where we don't want to hear from anybody except ourselves, that's a really bad place to be. Come on now. I've been doing this way too long. And, and the reason we don't want to bounce our idea off somebody or bounce what we're thinking off of somebody is because we know they're not going to give us the right, the right, the right answer. Right? I've done that in my life. Not proud of it. <clears throat> I made a decision one time to move. <clears throat> I mean, I, you've heard the story. I won't go in it. I mean, our truck was loaded. We were out of there. And then someone told me, hey, ask Pastor Black. He, he'll be on board with it. So I thought, well, hey, I'm already leaving. I might as well get his stamp of approval. And I called him. And I'll never forget what he said. He, I told him everything I was doing, and he repeated it verbatim. Now, you doing this? You're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. He goes, okay, Steve, bad move. 
And I'm like, I'm look, I'm, I, was, I was at a payphone. I don't know if you remember what those were. You know, those were like when dinosaurs roamed the land. <coughs> I'm on the payphone, and I'm looking at the truck loaded up with my stuff. It was too late. But you know what I found out? He was right. Now, God used that, and I got out of the situation pretty quick, but I wanted his stamp of approval, okay? So that's not asking for, <coughs> not, not asking for um, um, counsel or asking what you think about it. I've had people come in, Pastor, just wanted to tell you I'm doing this. Like, okay, well, thanks for the information, okay? You're not asking me. I'm not going to say anything yeah. unless you're going to do something that's a train wreck. <coughs> I might chip in. But <coughs> why are we afraid to ask or run it by other people? Okay, sometimes we don't see things. One of the things I always admired when, I, when Pastor Esposito was, was pastor and I worked for him, he would honestly, many times he'd call me in and goes, hey, you know, we're making plans and I'm thinking about doing this. And he'd say, what do you think? And, and I was free with him because he had, that was the culture. I'm like, well, you know, Pastor, I, I, I would, personally, I, I wouldn't do it. I might give him my reasons, and he might come back and say, well, here's what I'm thinking. Let's do it. There are times I've mentioned things. He goes, you know what? You're right. That's, that's maybe, maybe that's something for another time. But he just, he'd run it off there like, hey, you got any thoughts on this? We, you know, and, and, and so we don't know everything. <coughs> I know, <coughs> I think there's a blank on your sheet. <coughs> I know we all have to make decisions, and we are responsible for them. But God has put people in our life that can help guide us as we make those decisions. Right? Um, <clears throat> Christians, your ultimate guide is the word of God. When you come in and say, I think I might want to do this. If it's something in the word of God, I, I would tell you, like, well, you know, you know the Bible's against that. I mean, I, you know, that's just not God's will for your life. Husbands and wives. Husbands, I understand husbands lead the, lead the, lead the home. I get that. But, you know, sometimes... Uh, uh, husbands, we want to make these life-altering decisions and then inform our wife on the way out the door, right? They have a word for that. You know what that's called? Dumb. Okay? You know, to me, my wife would do anything, I guarantee you. If I told my wife, you know, God wanted us to be missionaries to Antarctica, she'd say, let's go. Like, you know, nobody lives there, right? So, you know. But, but I, you know, we, we just, we, 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 don't, we, we, we bypass an authority structure. Parents, uh, children, you have parents. You might want to let your parents kind of talk to you. You have leaders. God has put them in our life. And so sometimes we just get something in our mind, and this is what we're going to do. No one's ever going to talk me out of it, and I'm not going to ask anybody about it. There's a reason why, because it's probably wrong. Yep. Amen. Next, <clears throat> he decided on living for himself <clears throat> With no concern for others. Look at that, verse 12. <clears throat> Here's what he tells him. Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. I want what is mine. By the way, he's a selfish little brat because everything that he had that was coming to him was because the father was wise in his business dealings. The father was gracious enough to give it to him. But he, he, he wasn't concerned about his father. He wasn't concerned about his father's future, the relationship of the family and all those things. He was just concerned with himself. 
This seems like a good idea. I want to enjoy life and, and I'm tired of working, whatever it was. He wasn't concerned at all with those around him. He was more concerned with himself than others. And selfishness is always a really bad idea. It always has been and it always will be. Fact of the matter is, if you're going to live for Jesus, living for others is living for Jesus. I love the little parable in Matthew chapter 25. I won't go through the whole thing, but there is a principle taught in this parable. <clears throat> and the king shall answer and say in verse 40, and I think the verse is on your paper, and say, verily I say unto you, insomuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The, the parable there was Jesus, Jesus was telling of a king who looked at his, his, the people in his, uh, of his land, the people that he led, and said, hey, thanks for visiting me when I was sick, you know, giving me clothes when I didn't have clothes, you fed me when I was hungry, and he went down this list of things, and the folks were confused, saying, wait a minute, we never did that, you're the king, you know? And he says, if you've done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, it's as if you did it for me. When we do anything, I believe, for someone else, for the sake of the Lord, it's the same as if we're doing it for Christ. That ought to be our motivation anyhow. Well, you know, I might get ripped off if I, if I, if I help somebody. I've been ripped off. By the way, I don't like it. And I got to wall up to make sure I'm not getting ripped off. But I don't want to get so calloused and hard-hearted that I'm not willing to do things for people. I remember, guys are here call. I was when I was in college. I was up on my bus route, uh, and I met these kids on one Saturday, and uh, they said we just moved there. And uh, so I met the grandma, the mom, and there was a couple of them, and they let the kids come to church that Sunday. And so I brought them to church, and we got them home about you know I was in North Shore of Chicago, and we got home about four in the afternoon, and I took the kids in there, and, and I went into the house to drop them off. And the first time I went in the house, they had nothing in that house. Nothing. They had just moved here. They just got the place, no furniture. And, and, and I noticed they didn't have, I'm like, you have food? Like, no, we just got here. We're a little bit short right now. And I was a college kid, but <coughs> I took every penny I had out of, my, out of my pocket, my wallet, and I just gave it to him and said, go get something. Why'd you do that? <coughs> I was buying Jesus groceries. Right? <coughs> and I've done things like that. You help somebody else out and you're trying to be right and an encouragement and compassionate about it, man, it's like you're doing it for Christ. Yep. Well, that's my money. Well, okay, keep it then. And miss out on the blessings of God. Yep. But he, was, he wasn't thinking about that. <coughs> By the way, <coughs> living for the sake of others and the glory of God, we call that ministry, right? Well, I'm not full-time ministry, no. But you're here on Saturday and you go to the bus routes, that's ministry. That's serving Christ. You go to one of our rest homes and you're helping in there, you're doing that for Christ. Those of you that show up early and help push our wheelchair people over here, you know what you're doing? You're doing that for Christ. You invite someone to church and you keep up with them and you teach a Sunday school class, you encourage people to be here, you're doing that for Christ. That's ministry. That's serving him. That is others. Amen. Let's do that. Missionaries to me are the ultimate Christian example of this. Leaving their home country, going somewhere else. Letter C. <clears throat> he decided on living for the flesh and to neglect the spirit. What is he going to do with this money? By the way, this was his future. 
The dad didn't put this away for, for you know, uh, party time or, or just buying a new car. This was his future. What's he do? Verse 13. And not many days <coughs> after, maybe there was a little pretense there. You know, hey, I'm going to do the right thing. The younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And here it is. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. Wasted it. You know, party life, I guess. Whatever you want to call it. <coughs> but spending on what he felt he needed. Living out his sinful desires. And I understand, we constantly have to fight the flesh. The flesh always wants to do the wrong thing. Come on now. Whenever something happens, you know, someone cuts in front of you at a store, someone cuts in front of you on the freeway, you know, whatever it is, the flesh, the flesh is the first thing that jumps up. How dare them? I'll show them. Come on. I tell my kids, and I'm joking, I don't hope they do. It's like, look, when you're going to merge, don't turn your turn signal on. When you turn your turn signal on, you know it's true. The car in the next lane speeds up so you can't. How many of you, that's California, right? But thankfully, I got a Tesla. You step on that thing, and it's like, I can, out, I can outdrive you any day of the week. But it's like, you know, it's like, aha, you're not getting in. Now, that's bad, right? How many of you do that? Don't put your hands up, okay? Like, you're trying to cut in, man. Wait, look like everybody else. Okay, well, you know, maybe you need to get saved or something. I'm not sure. But the flesh is the first thing that always pops up. So the, the waitress is rude to you. You with me? I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect with this. I'm working on it. Pray for me. But the, you know, someone said this. I don't even know if it's scriptural, but man, it sure sounds right. It says, whatever the first thing that comes to your mind to do, do the opposite. Unless you really walk with God so much, the first thing you think of is, I'm so happy that they got in front of my car and almost ran me off. But he was focused in on the flesh, riotous. That's why he wanted it in the first place. He had no thought as to the spiritual aspect of his life. <coughs> we call that carnality. And you see it in 1 Corinthians there. Paul said, my brethren, you know, if you know anything about the Corinthian church, it was a train wreck. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but even as unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ. They were like just newborn Christians. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. That means they couldn't, they couldn't understand the mature things of, of the word of God. They needed the baby things of the word of God, right? Just the basics when you first get saved. Neither, you're, hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither... Yet now are able, for ye are carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal as walk and walk as men? By the way, when you're carnal, look at the things he mentions there. Those are all relationship issues, right? The biggest, the biggest sign of our, our carnality is the fact that we don't interact with people very well. We're not forgiving. We're, we're quick. We're quick to get after them. And so we got to be careful about that. But he, he was living for the flesh. He wanted what he wanted. Next, <clears throat> he decided to live for the present <clears throat> and ignore the future. As I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> that was the inheritance the father gave him to get on his way and on his path going forward for the rest of his life. Verse 4, and when he had spent all, 
there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. All he thought about was today. He had no thought as to what's going to happen once that inheritance is gone. Just, we're having a great time today. Where's the party today? Where are we going to hang out today? What are we going to spend our money on today? Right? We don't think about the future. <coughs> I don't even know if they're a thing. Remember those <coughs> payday loans? How many of you know what those are? I mean, by the way, if you figure out what they charge you, it's ridiculous, the percentage. But, you know, if you can't make it to your next paycheck, come on in two days early. We'll give you that money, and they'll charge you for it. And so now, when you get your paycheck, you're already two days short for the next week. Okay? Suck it up for the present and deal with it in the future. But he had no thought as to his future. Everything was today. You know, the younger you are, the quicker you can destroy your life for a longer time by the decisions you make. It, it's, a, it's, it's a paradox or it's a, <coughs> a confusion to me that some of the most important decisions that a person will ever make is when they're young. And some, some people who struggle as adults are things that they started to struggle with when they were younger. Now, by the way, that can change. Don't get me wrong. But you're making decisions that can wreck your future. Think about it. Okay? Well, what, by the way, God wants a great future for you. Don't blow it with what you're doing today. <clears throat> Look what he lost. He lost his family. He lost his family. By the way, the, <coughs> the tragedy of working in ministry is, soon, is, is, seen, is seen people that have ruined their families instead of protecting them. He lost his substance. He had nothing left. Could you, he lost his dignity sitting in that pig pen. Okay, that must have been embarrassing. By the way, especially for a Jew, pig's an unclean animal. Sitting there, he lost his testimony. He didn't have a lot of moral authority going on there. What are we living for? <coughs> Most of us, <coughs> and I'm all for uh, uh, working towards your, your financial future as long as you're not a tightwad, okay? And I think, you ought to, I think that's part of stewardship, right? Using what God has given you correctly. That's, I'm all in on that. Don't get me wrong. But um, part of thinking of the future is we have to live with eternity in view. Right? What we're doing on this life, <coughs> we have our responsibilities. I get it. There's things we want to do, and I get that. Not against any of it. But, but, but what are, we, are we thinking about eternity? Remember the treasure, treasure principle, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead, yep. right? Remember the, 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 the illustration of the, the line and the dot. The line represents eternity going forward forever, and the dot's your life. In the whole scheme of things, that dot on that little line which runs forever is super small. And you know what we live for? We live for the dot. Yeah. And that line stretches for all eternity. Yep. That's having an eternal worldview. That's very important. You know, that you remember when Rockefeller died, someone said, how much did he leave behind? And the answer was, all of it. If you go to Cairo, Egypt, I read an a story once, a, a, a Christian went <coughs> to Cairo, Egypt, and they, they went to visit the, the grave of William Borden. You know, no regrets, no retreat, no um, reserves. And he was buried in a, uh, I think it was an American uh, a, a grave over there, 
And uh, it was not kept up at all. In fact, for a while, I, I read the story, for a while they had built a wall that blocked the front of his, of his gravestone to where you couldn't even read it. And this, this man went and thought, here was a great man who has encouraged and challenged others through his death to serve Christ, and here he is in this unkept graveyard. And then the guy said he went a, a few miles down, and at that time, they had uh, two tuck commons was on display. And he said, here's this kid, I think he was young when he died, all this gold and all this fancy, and he never did anything for eternity. And nothing that he packed away did he take with him. And Borden died with nothing left. But in eternity, who has more? Who are we living for? We live our whole lives only for what's on this earth and we miss out on the blessings of eternity. And the fact of the matter is, those blessings are not just eternal, they're also present. Letter E, we gotta hurry. <clears throat> he decided to follow the world's temporal value system <clears throat> and not God's eternal value system. Really, we kind of talked about that. What was valuable to us, what is valuable to us is not necessarily valuable to God. Something's, the value of something is only based on what people are willing to, to, to put for it. Yeah. To, that, that determines something's, val, something's value, right? You look at a, you know, a 200, 150-year-old baseball cards. Look, it's just a piece of cardboard. But it's valuable because people place value on it. <coughs> what do you place value on? Far too often, we place value on things that really don't deserve that type of value. And so his whole mindset, based on his life and based on what he did, was temporal, here and now, without any eternal mindset. We said that. <coughs> and as you would expect, when we follow the wrong mindset and leave the safety of our Father, bad things always happen. They always do. Just mark it down. If we have some of the issues that, the, that he had that caused him to make the wrong decision, we're going to face those consequences as well. We're not immune to it, okay? And so um, that was his point. Now, why do we talk about this? I want to discourage us from making bad decisions in the first place, yeah. right? Um, so let's look at second. <clears throat> he had a right mindset going home. <clears throat> Understand that after the party, there's always a payoff. You know what the payoff was? The pig pen. Everything's gone. Verse 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be and went. In other words, he went from having plenty to poverty. He had nothing. Nothing. Verse 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Before that, he was living in the penthouse. Now he's living in the basement. Yep. And then verse 16. And he would, have fain, he would fain have filled his belly, with, his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. <coughs> he went from full to empty. Oh, there was a crowd when he had money. But where were they when he had need? So he had a bad mindset. But I like verse 17. And when, excuse me, when he came to himself. I mean, at least he got there, okay. 
You know, I have found over the years that sometimes people will make bad decisions and they'll start experiencing the consequences of those decisions. And instead of using the consequences, now listen, instead of using those consequences to push them back to the right decision, they use those consequences as an excuse to stay where they're at. How tragic. It amazes me the type of pain and misery that people can become comfortable with in their life. When, by the way, there's a much better way. And so he, he, he's, he's stuck here, and he's like, you know what? He starts to think it through. And so what does he do <clears throat> in a couple minutes we have left? He starts to do a little bit of a comparison here. How was it before compared to where I'm at now? And that's how he woke up. Look what he did. <clears throat> he realized some differences. First of all, he realized the difference in the payoff of his decisions. He's thinking it through, verse 17. <clears throat> and when he came to himself, <clears throat> he said, How many hired servants in my father's house have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? He's, he's sitting here with the pigs, and he's like, wait a minute. The people that my dad hires have it better than me. In fact, they have more to eat than they need. And here I am in the pig pen. The first step to change is realizing you need change. You cannot force someone to change unless they realize and they hit to the place where they say, I need to change. I need help. You can't force it. Unfortunately, as Christians, we, and I'm a pastor, <coughs> I, try to have a, um, I try to have a positive mentality, right? People come in like, we got this problem. I'm like, you can get through it. Sometimes people just don't want to believe that. Yeah. They need to come to the place where like, you know what? I want to get through it and I'll do anything it takes to get there, there with God's help. Here are where the difference is. <coughs> he realized, based on his father, God takes care of his children. He said, man, my father, he, 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 not only did he take care of us, he, he even takes care of his servants. I mean, they have bread enough. I mean, none of them are starving. They're all taken care of. Don't we forget that God takes care of us? By the way, sometimes we serve God and we start to look out the window at others. And we're like, how come God blesses and I'm trying to serve God? How many know what I'm talking about? Read Psalm 73. Asaph, song leader. My feet were, no, uh, I was almost slept. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then he starts making a bunch of assumptions based on the fact that the wicked had money. They don't have problems like everybody else. Yes, they do. They don't have this and that. Yes, they do. Don't let the money fool you. Come on now. You, all these Hollywood actors and stuff, they got all these problems. How many people have they been with? How many marriages have they had? Doesn't seem like, look, I'd give every penny to have a marriage of a lifetime. I'm thankful I do. Yep. I think it was Ted Turner, and he is not a Christian or even pro-God in any sense of the word. And he said one time, I would give all my wealth if I could have kept my first marriage together. Yep. Sounds to me like it didn't work for him. Yep. But we get jealous of them. <coughs> Just because they drive a nice car and they live in a big house. 
There's nothing to be, there's, look, I'd rather live with God. I'd rather have what God has. It's so much better. And he also realized <coughs> self-living leads to famine. It always does. You can live for yourself. You can spend your whole life thinking you are in control, doing what you want, but you'll have a famine of fulfillment. You will not be fulfilled in life. You will look back at your life, and it's like, what is it all about? What is the purpose? There's a famine of spirituality. You won't be as close to God as you could be. By the way, Ace, you know what helped Asaph? Until I went to the sanctuary of the Lord, and then I understood their end. And then he talks about the fact that uh, thou art ever with me. He goes, I have a relationship with God that a wicked person, no matter how much money they have, can never have. Amen. It's of great value. There's a famine in your family. You have to understand this. Um, you don't, we don't live in a vacuum. Everything we do affects those around us. When I said, <coughs> I do, what I was saying is, I will make sure that what I do doesn't affect my spouse. I don't want to do anything to hurt her. I've irritated her on several occasions. I've made her upset on several occasions. Why? Pastor, aren't you perfect? Get over it, man. I'm a guy, you know. I just, sometimes I'm like, hit me with a baseball bat. Maybe I'll figure it out someday. Okay? But I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to do anything that's going to wreck her life. I don't, do, I don't want to do anything that's going to wreck my children's life. Why? Because I need more grandkids. Okay? 15, 16 on the way. Let's go, Melody. I mean, do we not understand that? <coughs> it affects my famine in my personal life. So be very careful. Secondly, <coughs> He realized the difference in the acceptance of others. Verse 18 says, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. By the way, where's his friends? Where's the entourage? I'm sure he had one, right? Where's his, what, posse? Okay. You got a posse as long as you got money. Let me just tell you right now. I remember I went to... Um, Years ago, I used to make the uh, business deposits at the bank. And I go, I go to the bank, I go to the bank over here, Bank of America. And, um, and I go in there, and these, these, there's these big guys standing at the door. They didn't work for the bank. They look like, you know, straight out of L.A. or Long Beach, man. They were tough. I went in there, and there was like five or six more. And so I hit the button. And they, they let me into the little secure area for business deposits. And here's this guy in bright yellow. And he's got two more guys with, hanging out with him. These are some big guys. We need a security team like that, let me just tell you. And, and, and so I went over there and I stood <coughs> next to the guy. <coughs> and he had his checkbook out. <coughs> and um, it was Nate Dog, Not our youth director. How many know who he, he was a rapper for a while, many years ago. Right, Brother Ross? And then, and then you became the youth director. <laughs> Look, he had his entourage with him, all right? It wasn't Snoop Dogg. I would have recognized him. Um, but look, he had, this, he had this group, and then now it's like, where are they? They're gone. What does that teach us? The Father welcomes you when you have nothing. Yeah. 
I like when he goes home, right? He has a speech prepared. Okay, I got this. Father, I am uh, no more worthy to be called thy son. Uh, just make me like one of your hired servants, and I'll work for you and live. And, and he didn't even get through it. You know, he's got a speech. <clears throat> son! Son, you're home. Hey, get the fatted calf. We're having a party. But on the other side, the world leaves you when you have nothing. Right? The philosophy is, as long as you're good to me, I'll be good to you. That's not friendship. <coughs> and then next, or <coughs> lastly, he realized the difference in the values he possessed. <coughs> compare, compare verse 12 with verse 19. He says, verse 12, Father, give me. Give me. Verse 19, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Notice he was demanding at the first one. Now he's like repentant. Now he's like remorseful. You know, when you live selfishly or you live sinful, it has a way of humbling you, right? I remember years ago, I don't even remember the guy's name. He used to play on, um, he, used to, he was a guard that used to play in Cleveland with LeBron James. And several years ago, there was a viral video. He was homeless and he was living under a bridge and there was a video someone took of a guy just beating the snot out of him in the middle of a crowded roadway. Just left him laying there. Guy had everything. But he got caught up in some things. It ruined his career and it ruined his life. Now that's the worst case scenario. But whenever you follow that train of living, you do lose out. You know that, right? <clears throat> so what were his attitudes? The bad attitude was the first one. I want what's mine. <coughs> you owe me. By the way, God owes us nothing. It, it, we just think he does because he's so gracious and good. It's like, it's like man, he, he just gives it to me. And, so, we just like, and he, he does. But when we quit being thankful for it, that's when the faucet gets shut. <laughs> oh, 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 you can do this on your own? Let's see how that works for you. I want what's mine. You ever have someone pray, God, give me what I deserve. Oh, no. Someone prays like that, step away from them. Yeah. There might be a lightning bolt coming real soon, right? Don't pray that. I don't want hell. Okay. I, I want what I don't deserve. <clears throat> and that's this <coughs> last thing. He finally got to the place where he says, I don't deserve anything. Everything that he was going to ask for was based on relationship father. And so let's be very, very careful. The point is, I think we should make the right decisions up front. But if we don't have the right mindset, then we make the wrong decisions. And so let's pray. We'll be done. Let's stand together. I, I want a couple minutes longer than I should. That's because Brother Grandy's saying way too long tonight. Thank you for being here. Looking forward to a, a great Sunday, by the way, as we have our Roundup Sunday and and we'll have a lot of our friend day visitors back, and so let's be in place. If you had someone come, I also encourage you, contact them. Encourage them to be back. And um, heard a lot of good feedback, so let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your love for us. We're grateful that you are a, a wonderful Heavenly Father. And Lord, we fall so short sometimes. But I pray, Lord, you'd help us to, to, to be spiritual and have the right mindset and not let any of these attitudes creep in which would cause us to make decisions that we would regret later. That would not only hurt us, but might 
have us hurt those around us as well. Bless us now as we go our way. We're thankful for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.